But good morning, Merry Christmas, and all that good stuff. We're so excited that you're here together to worship, and uh, excited to be continuing in this uh, short three-week series uh, called The Christmas Invasion. And uh, how many of you enjoy the component of Christmas, the aspect of surprising people? Anybody enjoy that part, catching people completely off guard? They didn't see something coming that's so, so fun. There's not many times in life that you get a chance to do that. I was thinking back to one other opportunity I've had in my life to really catch somebody off guard. That was the time that I asked my sweet wife to marry me. You can see uh, a, a little picture there. That was back when we were first engaged. You see some, uh, <laughs> see some uh, remnant of hair still there. My wife was a little more blonde. It must have been the sun in Chicago. And, uh, but I remember we, uh, we had the opportunity. I... Um, I uh, took Adrian on the day that I was asking her to marry me. I surprised her. I actually took her to a ring shop to actually look at rings, having the ring in my pocket. And so I threw, totally threw her off because I knew if we got that out of the way, she'd assume that, of course, he doesn't have a ring if we just went ring shopping. So then the rest of the day, we had this nice ro romantic walk by this uh, lovely stream. I had hidden the, the bushes, a, a bouquet of flowers and a picture I drew for her and, and got down on one knee, popped the question. And then we went on. I surprised her with a, a dress and then a dinner cruise on Lake Michigan. And it was just a wonderful opportunity just to celebrate. Not bad, huh? Take notes, my friend. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, it was just a great way to catch, uh, catch her off guard. There's something about surprising somebody that is uh, such a gift. And I was thinking about that in, uh, as, re as it relates to Christmas. When, when there was that announcement that there was a new king that was there, it must have been such a shock to people, right? Can you imagine? There would have been like, wait a second, we already have a king. We already have a, a king in place, and he's pretty clearly on the throne. But for Jewish people, they've been waiting for this for such a long time. But the truth is, Jesus didn't arrive in any of the ways that it was expected. And this morning, we're going to be unpacking the many ways that Jesus was an unexpected king and continues to be the unexpected king. Before we dive in, let me pray for us this morning. God, we thank you for this chance to be together this morning and just uh, all that this season represents, just uh, putting the spotlight on you and your greatness and the fact that you invaded this earth, that you caught us off guard despite all the clues that you had left, that you surprised us with the way that you showed up. We thank you for that. We thank you that the gift that you're surprising with uh, us with is still being felt here 2,000 years later. It's an awesome gift. We praise you. We pray now that you'd speak to us through your word and that you'd be active and moving here this morning. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, this first way that, the, that, that Jesus was unexpected is that he was I describe this morning as the unexpected king. I gave a little bit of a hint towards that here a second ago, but in Luke 2 1, it says that Caesar Augustus was the emperor of the time. It was describing that he was calling for the census in Luke 2 1. And I thought a couple things about Caesar Augustus was, were, were pretty interesting this week in my study. First off, recognizing that his name actually means worthy of worship. Worthy of worship. Isn't that interesting? 
He was the type of king that people expected. I put a picture up here of, of Caesar Augustus. He kind of represented all, all things that you think of a, of a, of a political ruler with, uh, with dominance and obviously some good looks and, uh, and hair. And, uh, and, and uh, cl- clearly he had been to the gym a little bit. And like, like all the way that we picture a king showing up, that was Caesar Augustus. In fact... The, the fact that he showed up and he defeated all of Rome's enemies, bringing what they described as Pax Romana to, the, to, the, to that era, in other words, peace. In fact, Caesar was called some terms that you may be familiar with for a different king. Caesar was called Savior. He was called Lord. His birth was even called Good News. Isn't that crazy? But despite his cruelty, a, a, a cult emperor worship was kind of created in that time where they were referring to him with such greatness. They were describing, describing him as the son of God. He'd come into power through a civil war and realizing that it was a, a pretty fragile office that he held, he was doing everything within his power to keep that. And he recognized that religion and he recognized that uh, using himself in these titles was a means to keep his role and responsibility. He, he promoted his agenda and protected his position by embracing all of this praise. In fact, in, in 12 AD, he actually named himself as the chief priest of Rome. He was not only ruler over it, he was the head of all things spiritual for that time period. He was the king that people expected. So all the more for setting the backdrop for when Jesus arrived, when the angels were announcing the good news of the Savior and the Lord, the, the one that was going to bring peace, the Son of God, many, as you could imagine, would have been like, what? We already have that. That's already arrived. However, the, the way that Jesus showed up wasn't exactly very kingly, right? Wasn't born, born in, a, in a royal palace. He, wasn't, he, was, he came as a humble servant, servant to impoverished teenage parents in a barn. Wasn't the entrance that people expected. He didn't look, the, didn't look the look either. I thought it was interesting. I was reading in Isaiah this week. Isaiah 53, 2 says this about Jesus. It says, He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He wasn't as Hollywood portrays. He didn't have the, the nice tan and dark hair and blue eyes. Like It, it says that he, that, he, that he wasn't something that your eyes were drawn to. There was nothing. He didn't meet any of the expectations of a king. I wonder if, if we're honest with ourselves, if, if the same isn't true today. If when he doesn't meet the expectations that we have of him as king, that we choose to take him off the throne ourselves. If that isn't something that didn't start then and continues now, when things don't go smoothly with, with things like employment, with things issues in our family, with, with things with our health, when things aren't going the way that we described our expectations of this king, if he doesn't come off of our throne as well. I thought it's interesting also in Isaiah 55, 8, it says that he does things differently than us. It says, for my thoughts, this is the Lord speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He wasn't just unexpected then, he still continues to do things unexpected. 
Can you point to your life and look back and be like, man, that's not the way I would have handled it. But now as you reflect back, you're like, whoa, I'm so glad that God was driving the, 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 the car at that stage or during that season because he does things differently. But that different a lot of times drives us to say like, God, what are you doing? He's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I do things differently. I think differently. So he showed up as an unexpected king to peasant parents. The next thing, area that he was unexpected, he had an unexpected kingdom, an unexpected kingdom. So the, 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 the era that he showed up in, the, the Jewish people had then at that time been under Roman rule for the past 63 years. Can you imagine? Most of them, that's all they had known. 63 years of being under a tyrant Roman rule. The idea of peace that was there was strictly the peace that was there was because no one had any more military strength to oppose the rule. So I don't know that that's exactly peace, but that's what they were under. So they were looking forward to this Messiah finally showing up and doing what? Setting them free, finally. Like he would, he would show up and he, he would bring them out of, this, out of this Roman rule and set them free. They had thought maybe this Messiah was going to show up like some of the other, the other great military leaders of the past. Think about Moses, Joshua, or David. They were hoping that they would help rid the area of these unclean. That's what they described Gentile people as. Uh, as the unclean to remove them by any means necessary, most likely requiring military, some kind of a force. And so this, this, this kingdom that he's setting up, they're like, wait a second, this isn't, this isn't what we're hoping. This isn't even what we wanted. In fact, as you see Jesus' life as he gets older, I, I read a great article this week by an unnamed Australian pastor that pointed to this passage as he's revealing his kingdom. Luke 17, if you guys have your Bibles with you, or if you don't, they're in a, a seat in front of you. Luke 17, 20. We'll spend the rest of our time looking at this text. This is as, as Jesus gets older, there starts being questions about when he's talking about the kingdom that he's bringing. The people started asking, well, what is this kingdom? Because we wanted it to be involve uh, freedom from the Roman rule. So what is this kingdom that you're actually bringing? Luke 17, 20. He's being asked this question. It says this, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, listen to these words, The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is is in the midst of you. Notice that Jesus didn't answer the when question, but defined who the king was first. He's here in the midst of you. I don't know if anybody's gotten uh, sucked into this show, this series that's been on, I guess it's a couple of years now. It's called Undercover Boss. Anybody watch any of those uh, episodes? And this, this whole idea of, uh, of the top guy or CEO going behind the, the, the scenes. I, I remember seeing a few different uh, shows of this. But the, the fun thing that builds up is he kind of lives amongst the, the, the common workers and employees and just kind of acts like he's, he's one of the guys, if you will. And then finally, there's a point in the, in the 
show, there's a point in the show where there's always that, that big reveal. You know what I'm talking about? Where he finally says, look, da, da, da. he pulls off the, 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 the suit or, and shows and says, look, it's, it's me. I'm the, I'm the boss. I'm the, I'm the head of this company. I'm the one that gets to determine whether you're hired or fired. I'm the one that sustains your job. And this, to me, as I was thinking about this, this reveal right now, this is kind of that moment in time. This is where Jesus is saying, you're looking for this kingdom and you guys are supposed to be the experts of this kingdom. You're supposed to be the experts of the law. Well, guess what? You're you're looking at the king right now. He's he's in your midst. He's in your midst, this idea of the undercover boss. You're looking at the king. If you watch me, and he's saying, this kingdom isn't something that you're watching for. It's like he's he's saying, watch me and you'll see the kingdom. Watch me. I am the kingdom, is what Christ is saying. I am the kingdom. It's not something that's going to all of a sudden arrive like in, whoa, look, it's here. He's saying, you know what? The kingdom that you're looking for is me. And you'll begin to understand the kingdom by watching the way I live. Healing the sick, caring for the poor, pursuing the lost. That's the kingdom. My question for us this, this morning, just as we're reflecting on even this text, is how are we doing at really watching the king? How are we doing at that? Are we in his book? Are we asking his input? Are we slowing down enough to listen to his voice? Are we rubbing shoulders with the less fortunate, the people that he tended to hang out with? How are we doing at watching the king? That's the kingdom he wasn't, he wasn't going to set up some kind of walls in a building. He's saying, I'm the kingdom. I showed up. Watch me. I'm the example. How are we doing with that? He didn't show up as expected to address all the, the political issues because there were plenty at that time and still plenty today, wouldn't you say? He wasn't there to address that. He was dealing with the, the, the core of the issue, not the surface stuff. He was saying, I'm dealing with, with the heart. I'm dealing with the heart of people. You see, creation was broken and broken, and nothing was working the way it should anymore, right? It was broken. There was a, it, was, it was a mess. And he's saying, I want to come and I want to set up a kingdom in your hearts. I want to I make sure that we start from that. And then the outflow of that is going to influence all of these other things, right? It's, it's not a matter of fixing all these peripheral things. It's about starting with a person in their relationship with God. What a wonderful re- reminder for us just as a church body, even as we're engaging with the world around us, what are we called to do? We're supposed to start with introducing something that fixes the heart, that fixes the position between man and God, and then the rest trickles out of that. How are we doing with that? Primary issue, man's relationship with God It was an unexpected kingdom that he came to establish. It was an invitation to come back to the way things were designed. It was an invitation back. He he had set up his kingdom to start with, but then what did we learn last week? What did did man do? He said, no, I want to do my own thing, my self-God thing. This is the kingdom of Satan where he set up camp. And he's saying, no, let's come back to the kingdom that I established, where I'm the one that's ruling and leading is the second way that there was an unexpected kingdom. Third thing that I want to point out we're going to see in the text is this. So there's the unexpected king, unexpected kingdom. And then this third thing is this, is the unexpected judge. This is a little less popular to talk about. Look as the text talks about it as it continues in Luke 17, 26. 
says, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were, they, they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking and buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken, the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Pretty grim picture, pretty intense description there of what's to come. He's saying it's a warning of the time of judgment is coming, and it's something that we should be aware of. At, the, at this time, he's talking about his kingdom. He's saying it might be that I've revealed this to the, you in the moment, but I'm coming back as a reigning king. I'm coming back as the judge, and he, and he gives these examples. He describes them as uh, people are just going to be going about their business, Doing what they do, just kind of maybe even Christmas shopping. You know what I mean? Like they're doing life and not recognizing that he's coming back. He's coming back to set up his kingdom, to take his elect to begin with from this earth. And it's going to happen like that. It's going to happen like that. I don't know if any of you were around in the, the early, I guess it would have been mid-70s, and you remember the, the Left Behind movie. Anybody watch that movie that uh, uh, scared most people into repentance? Um, but I, I remember the different scenes from that. I was just a young kid. I think it was in the like, mid-70s. This is a young kid seeing those movies, pretty intense images of this picture of, of two people together, one all of a sudden, gone, and one left. Do you guys remember this? How, how, how did the song go? I wish they'd all been ready. There's a reason Chad sings and I don't. But, um, uh, but th this, I this idea of, of, man, and he's pointing out these two different pictures saying, man, you're gonna, it's going to happen like this. We're going to be just doing life, doing our thing, and all of a sudden it, that we're going to meet, he says, the, son, the day the Son of Man is revealed. The day the Son of Man is revealed. Right now, when we talk about Jesus being Lord, people are like, all right, buddy, a little crazy. But someday, someday when he does reveal himself fully, all of a sudden we're not going to be so crazy anymore. The Bible describes every knee will, will bend, every tongue will confess that what? That he's Lord. There's going to be an acknowledgement he's going to reveal himself. So someday this judge is going to come and he, and he elevates the urgency here by pointing to, to past judgment. Which two, two areas does he point to? Two different characters. Noah was the first one, right? And then what was the, the other one? The city of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? He's pointing that out. He's saying they were just, they were just doing their thing. They didn't, they didn't realize that the Lord was going to come at a time of judgment. But the truth is, as, as real as this reality is that God is coming as, as judge, the, the truth is about God's heart, the truth is that he always prefers to rescue rather than judge. 
always prefers to rescue rather than judge. Luke 19.10, we described last week. For the Son of Man came to what? Seek and save the lost. Yes, he's wearing the, the, the hat as judge, but he would much rather save and rescue. 1 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Or he describes longing for the Jewish people to return back to him. In Luke 13, 34, he says this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often, I love this, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. You were not willing. He longs, he longs for us to avoid judgment. He longs, it's, it's interesting to think of a judge saying like, I'd rather not play that role. I'd rather not play that role, but he's saying it, but it's a choice. He can long for it, but it still comes down to a decision that each person here makes to either reject or accept. So my question with this judgment thing for us is just as in, in response is, is, the, is the question is, am I living like he could show up at any moment? Am I living like he could show up at any moment? You know, for generations, like for generations and generations, people have said like, man, it could be any day now, right? Haven't we been saying that for a long time? Like you remember maybe even your own parents saying like, man, it's getting close. You could arrive. But the, but the truth is, the truth is somebody's going to be right eventually. Somebody's going to be right eventually. Eventually somebody's going to say, man, it's soon. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And somebody's going to be right eventually. My question is, is are we even now in that era? Are we living in the, the reality that someday this, this, this creator God, this almighty judge is going to return? Are we treating our, I was thinking about this, are we treating even our interactions, our conver, conversations with people with that type of urgency that, man, this might be the very last time that I talk to this person to have an opportunity to, to share about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like, how would that change things when, as we interact with the world around us? Being, you're like, man, I haven't talked to that guy in a long time. We're, we're grabbing lunch together. What if that's the very last time before the Son of Man reveals himself to the world? What if that's the last window? Man, I would love that urgency to drive the way I live as well. The unexpected judge is returning soon. The last one I want to point to here this morning is this idea of also an unexpected Savior. We're going to jump back just a couple of verses there in that same text, Luke 17, verses 22 through 25. We skipped that section. And it says, And he said to the disciples, Jesus speaking, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. People are wanting to see him return, and you will not see it. And they will ask you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes, this description of how quick it's going to be, and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will be the Son of Man, uh, so, so will be the Son of Man be in his day. But first, I love this picture here, he says, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus knew that he had to suffer and be rejected in order to play the role of Savior. He knew that there's a price 
that needed to be paid. He knew that the, that the position that people were in, the, the need was great. People were in a really bad situation and owed more than they could ever pay. I was looking this week online, I was reading some different interesting articles, and the one that I was looking on, who knows how I landed on this, but I was reading different, uh, the, the largest class action lawsuit ever settled. You guys want to hear about that for a second? The largest class action lawsuit ever settled. The Tobacco Master Settlement Agreement of 1998 was the summation of suits filed by the Attorney General of 46 states against America's four largest tobacco companies in an attempt to recover the costs of caring for lifelong smokers, as well as levying punitive fines against big tobacco for their deliberately misleading advertising and unethical business practices. That meant that whatever settlement the court arrived at was going to be big, but the final judgment of over $206 billion dollars over a period of 25 years, knocked everyone for a loop. Can you imagine that settlement? Those guys look like they're truth tellers. I don't know. But, uh, but that, that, that settlement, the $206 billion, an amount that would be paid all the way for the next 25 years till 2023. We're still in the, the middle of that even as we, as we speak. This amount, I was thinking of that picture, just trying to grab a, a number or something that kind of grasped the, the scope of, wait a second, this is an amount so huge, and this is the amount that, that, that Jesus, when he's looking down at us, we owed an amount that was unbelievable. Imagine if in that settlement... If the judge would have said, he's like, okay, so that's the problem. You owe $206 billion, but here I want to get out my personal checkbook and I want to write the check for it, right? Can you imagine? People would have been like, what? Well, first that check would have bounced. Uh, but, but this idea is the same thing that Jesus was. He presents the problem, but he also is the solution. Does that make sense? He's the problem because he's the coming judge. He's got the judgment. He's saying, you're all guilty. I'm the problem, but I'm also the solution. I'm also the solution. He knew that he needed to, to intervene. Like this quote, unlike Santa who comes because we've been good, Jesus came when we were desperately wicked. Jesus came when we were desperately wicked. He didn't come because we were good. He recognized there was a price that needed to be paid. Rather than being the judge that standed far off and just watched things play out. I mean, that could have been the role that he played. He could have just sat from a distance and said, watch them derail. You know what I'm saying? He could have just watched us. Instead, he chose to enter in. He chose to come. That's what we're celebrating here this Christmas. He chose to engage with us. He said, I'm going to come down and live amongst you, be with you. I'm going to do life on this earth. And not just do life, but make a 33-year march towards a cross. A cruel Roman cross. I was thinking about it even this week that as we were putting him on the cross, he was sustaining the lungs. He was sustaining the life of the people that were beating him. Isn't that crazy to think of? Almighty God sustaining life of the people that were hanging him on a cruel Roman cross. He recognized that he was not only the problem, he could also be the solution. And so for us, just going into Christmas, that's the, really the decision that people come down to in life. Is are we going to allow Jesus to be the, the problem or are we going to allow him to be the solution? Does that make sense? Are we going to see him as the judge 
Or are we going to see him as the Savior? That's people's choice. When he arrives, when he comes back in his full glory and his full splendor, that's the choice that Christmas comes down to. Is he the judge or is he the Savior? I'll tell you what, all these ways that Jesus came unexpected and he continues to show up unexpected in our, in our lives. My hope is this Christmas, and we talked about it at the, at, the Christmas, uh, at the Christmas cafe, different things, is that we wouldn't miss it. That we wouldn't miss it. That we'd be stunned by this. Stunned by the greatness of, whoa, how could he love me this much? How could he love me this much that he would choose to not, not just let things play out, but choose to come and intervene on my behalf? How could he do that? How could he love us? I love this, this picture and this song that Chad and Eric are going to close with as they're coming up now. This picture of him showing up and saying, man, this is all broken. This is all messed up. He said, but I'm showing up to make it new. I'm showing up to make it new. I'm not showing up to, to become the, the, the king as you expected. I'm showing up to make all things new. Let me pray for us as we finish with this last song. God, I thank you for the ways that you came unexpected. You're the unexpected king. We didn't see it coming. We wouldn't have guessed it. But you showed up in the kingdom that you came. Wasn't just solving temporal things, God. You are solving eternal issues, and we're so grateful for that. We're grateful that you're also the judge, that there is accountability for our actions here on earth, but a judge that chose to intervene, that wrote a check that, that, that we couldn't write, solved an issue that we couldn't solve. You intervened on our behalf, and we're so grateful this Christmas. We love you and praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're grateful, so grateful for the unexpected Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning, just a couple of reminders as you're going. If you didn't grab one of those refresh uh, uh, devotional guides, if you want to grab one of those as you're leaving today, and if there's anything that we can be praying for, we're going to have a couple elders here this morning. I want to have an emphasis this morning just on any health-related stuff. So if you have something health-related for yourself or someone within your family, you can go ahead and come up and be prayed for. I pray you have a fantastic week in the Lord.